You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Outdoor Edge in their complete lineup of knives and game processing kits. These guys right now are doing an absolutely huge giveaway where you could win an elk hunt and not just any elk hunt. We're talking about a seven or eight mile horseback ride into the backcountry. We're talking a one-on-one guided hunt. You're going to be sleeping in a wall tent and you're going to be doing that for five days with the founder and CEO of Outdoor Edge, David Block. Now, if you've never been on an elk hunt before, I'm telling you right now, go sign up for this because if you ever hear a elk bugle, whether it's at 400 yards or it's at 40 yards, it is a life-changing experience. So here's how you enter. Go to OutdoorEdge.com. There's going to be a big banner for it somewhere on their homepage. All you have to do is click on that. Go fill out some information. I think your name, your email address, maybe some other stuff. And that's all you have to do. That's how you are entered. They're going to be picking a winner oh, a ways from now. So you have plenty of time to enter. Go visit OutdoorEdge.com. Sign up today. And if you decide to purchase any products from the website, Enter the discount code NATION30. That's the word NATION with the number 30 after that. No spaces. NATION30. And you will receive 30% off your purchase. Welcome to the Transition Wild Podcast brought to you by Expedition Archery. I'm your host, Adam Parr, and you're listening to episode number 75 where I talk with Fred Bohm on his 2020 mid-season recap. Hello, how are you? Thanks again for tuning into the Transition Wild Podcast, your source for everything Western big game hunting. I am pretty full right now. I just got done mowing on some mule deer burger. I process everything myself and do everything at home. So I got the meat grinders, vacuum sealers, all the processing equipment, knives, that all that good stuff, and and I am fat and happy right now <laughs> after having some fresh, lean, organic, high country mule deer. I tell you what, I was talking with my buddy Will a couple weeks ago, and we were discussing uh, high country mule deer. He was telling me about how how good his deer taste, and I just. I was like, well, I've never had it before, and and I was like excited to try it. And man, after having some of the back straps, and then now having some of the burger, I can tell you with 100% certainty that high country mule deer, when they're eating all those good grasses and just kind of fat and happy, not stressed out through those summertime months, man, it is some really really good tasting meat. So. If that doesn't get you fired up to maybe try to go chase some high country muleys, I don't know what will, but uh, I highly recommend it. So um, I've been processing meat the last couple days. I took the weekend and Saturday I pretty much uh, boned everything out, cut up all the steaks, did everything um, on that part. And then on Sunday I spent a few hours just grinding the meat and vacuum sealing it and packaging it all up so it feels good to just have that in the freezer and 
off my plate and now I can put it on my plate <laughs> so I can actually eat it, which is which is always good. So I hope you guys are having a good fall so far, having some success. I love seeing all the, the photos on Instagram and Facebook and following along. A lot of people I've seen just driving around um, some of my elk spots. I didn't archery elk hunt this fall just time constraints and, and, you know, my schedule conflicts and everything. Uh, and, and also putting my eggs in all the, in the mule deer basket. Uh, I, I got a rifle season, uh, tag coming up, but seeing driving around, taking people up to the cabins, just, just being out in public lands. There's a lot of people out, but I'm seeing, it seems like I'm seeing more success. Like I'm seeing a lot more bulls in the back of the truck, which is, I don't know if it's a good thing. It kind of it kind of makes me it's like ah, you know, that could have been me. But uh, it's always it, it's always cool to see. And, and hats off to everybody that's getting it done, especially in Colorado. It's it's not easy. It's Colorado is is very pressured. Uh, the elk are tough to get on, and it's been dry. It's it's been it's been um, tough moving around and just not a lot of food. So it's it can be tough out there. And it's been hot, you know, other than like the first. Uh, first second week of September that week after Labor Day we had some snow and some cold weather but ever, ever since then it's just been kind of hot uh bluebird days not a lot of weather going on so that can make it tough as well but congrats to all the guys and gals out there getting it done and, and making it happen that's that's really cool all right my guest today Fred Bohm he's been on the show I don't know maybe at least two times before this maybe three I can't remember can't keep track but I really enjoy talking to Fred. He's a one-of-a-kind dude, uh, badass photographer, a great hunter, uh, amazing writer. I love following his work on his website, and uh, just a cool guy to talk to. He he hunts a ton. He gets outside a lot, and just a really, really interesting guy, and I love hearing his stories, and, and so so this... I didn't really have like a topic in mind. Um, I've had him on for some strategy stuff and backcountry hunting. We've talked about photography. This was a little bit more of a just a BS session about his hunting season so far and all the hunts he's done. He's he's uh, hunted in Hawaii. He's uh, he had a bighorn sheep tag. He was chasing with a bow. Uh, a couple elk hunts. He's uh, let's see antelope. He's got whitetail hunts coming up. I mean, it's just. It's just really, really fun to talk with him about all the different things he does and hear the stories. So that's what this episode's about. Fred's an awesome dude, so let's not wait any longer. Let's get Fred Bohm on the line. Before we begin, today's episode is brought to you by Expedition Archery, manufacturer of the world's finest archery experience. Expedition bows combine aerospace level quality, innovative designs, and a fluid feel serious hunters demand. Test drive one today at your nearest archery retailer and view their full lineup at expeditionarchery.com. Why settle for status quo when opportunity and adventure awaits? Make your next hunt an expedition. All right, on the line with us now, Fred Bohm. How you doing, Fred? Great, Adam, man. Thanks for having me on again. Yeah, no problem. I guess I should uh, rephrase how are you doing. I... I I know how how you're doing right now. You just killed two elk in the past like two weeks, so you got to be feeling pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not complaining there, man. That freezer was looking pretty low, and uh, yeah, a pump, ecstatic to be able to do so. So yeah, that's super cool. I bet, I bet you've uh, 
that will definitely fill the freezer. That was one of my questions. I was like, do you even have enough freezer space to even continue hunting the rest of the year, or are you just going to call it quits? <laughs> well, it's crazy. On the second elk, I called the wife, and I'm like, you know what? That freezer, we have a big lay-down chest freezer in the uh, in the garage, and I'm like, you got to start cleaning some of the kids' crap out of there because we, uh, we got some real meat coming in. But, uh, yeah, hopefully I got, I'm getting the, the second one butchered right now. I think they're going to fit. I think so. Um, and the way we consume wild game here at the house, uh, between us and our friends, it's, uh, we'll burn through it pretty quick. Well, one of the coolest things is about having that much wild game is then you really have the opportunity to enjoy it with friends or like, oh, you meet yeah. somebody, hey, try this out. Or, you know, if you ever had wild game before, I, I just remember when I shot my elk, back in 2016 how much excess meat i had and it was just that was one of the coolest things about it is like introducing people to elk meat or if they've never had it before it was just really cool i really enjoyed that 100 percent, and that's yeah that is the best part because a lot of people they may not be on the fence like they're, they're meat eaters type yeah. of things so you know that you know all our friends are pretty much that because they know i hunt but uh it's nice to kind of have something like, okay, we're going to have like a dinner party and people are trying this like, oh my God, it's amazing. And then you start talking about the, the health benefits of eating, you know, wild game as opposed to something that's, you know, factory farmed type of thing. Um, and it can really change some viewpoints and people that never thought that they uh, would eat something like that, uh, they try it and are, you know, kind of blown away by the flavor. And, uh, you know, especially the fact that my wife really knows how to cook, that certainly helps as well. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's it, it's a great way to introduce people to hunting, and then you know then the, the questions start coming in, and that's a cool way to you know <laughs> open up that conversation. So it is, yeah, it's like a very good entry point, or a, I guess a conversation starter for a number of things that go along with it, like conservation and where the money goes. It's not just a blood sport; it's this is what it is, and it kind of like you said, you can kind of not sway people. That's I don't want to use that term, but it's it's just a good way to explain our lifestyle and why we do it and all the benefits that come from it. Exactly. And then they get to partake of it firsthand and actually even like, oh, okay. And then, like you said, this isn't just a blood sport. It's not just about the heads on the walls. This is, you know, yeah. something that you explain like, hey, the kids eat this. You know, we eat this. We don't buy red meat. We rarely buy, you know, we'll buy some fish and chicken here and there and that type of stuff. But, you know, we even supplement that with um, Upland. So, it. It, you know, they kind of get to see this whole lifestyle and they get to partake of it. So, yeah, it is cool. What's your favorite game meat to eat? Oh man, you know it, it just it depends what we're cooking. Like some odd ones, I love elk. You know that's that's a standard. Um, elk coos deer is really really good too. Uh, grouse would definitely be on the top of that list. I mean, I, but I love them all. You know, I'll definitely whitetail's great. I love antelope. Um, I'm not going to say no to any of it, but you know, <laughs> and that elk elk is the king. It, it, it kind of yeah. is. You know, those you get yourself a real good. You know. Just, I mean, medium rare backstrap, and uh, it, it's hard to beat that. Yeah, hundred percent. I was, I was talking with, well, you know, Will from Outdoor Edge, um, oh, yeah. marketing yep. manager. He, uh, he shot a high country mule deer a couple years ago, and and I just shot mine a couple weeks back, and and we're, he was talking about like, man, that that high country mule deer is just like so good. It's like on a different yep. level. And I was like, huh, I've never, never had a high country mule deer. I shot one with a rifle a few years ago and it was, it was pretty good, but honestly I preferred whitetail over it. But then I just dove into a backstrap off of, <laughs> off of this deer and I was blown away, man. It was, it was really good. I'd put it up there yeah. with an elk backstrap even. I couldn't believe it. 
Yeah, no, not great. I mean, yeah, absolutely. Muley, I think it's phenomenal, especially the high country where they're not really getting into the sagebrush, that type of thing. Um, again, again I, there's, there's not going to be game, you know, wild game that I'm going to turn down, uh, especially with the way the wife cooks. So, you know, she, she could <laughs> make anything taste good. So I'll have to give her credit there. But uh, yeah, no, I love it all, man. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, so so two, two elk, basically what, like 10 days apart, something like that, a week? What was yeah, that? Yeah, it was, it was somewhere in between. I'd have to figure out the exact days. But yeah, I'd say somewhere <laughs> between seven and ten days. It was crazy. So I was hunting. I got a uh, just a general season tag up in Wyoming this year. So that just gave me, you know, and, and uh, like the summer I went out with a couple buddies and we went bear hunting. And I used that as a um, scouting you know, trip. As a, exactly. You know, so we went out. We saw some bears and whatnot. But it was really just to jump a bunch of mountain ranges you know, of course, did the online, the e-scouting and whatnot. But we're like, let's get up there. Let's take a look. Uh, yeah. These are guys that, you know, throughout the years are going to be hunting up there as well. Um, it's a great alternative to, you know, as Colorado hunters to be able to switch something out and not just do the OTC tags here. So I jumped up there and got a little bit of an idea and then just spent a lot of time up there. Um, I was blown away. Like, they were talking. So that storm that hit earlier was a maybe late. Right after First Labor Day. Week except, yeah, exactly. And that I, I got up there um, the day before that, and that storm just kicked them off. I never, I would say, out of the years I've been hunting out west here, I got more calling and bugling and just action in in those four or five days than I had the rest of the time I've been out here. It was unbelievable. It was all day. I mean, I was exhausted just going from bull to bull and screwing stuff up and, you know, just learning, honestly, a ton because it, it, it is repetition, right? Like, you got to get in there and get the reps in to really learn. You know, I've called a bit before, but I just didn't get that many opportunities, I would say, because I concentrate on, you know, other animals as well. Yeah. Um, not just an exclusive elk guy. Um, so the time I've been able to really, you know, I've only ever hunted elk in Colorado here, so... I, I feel like they maybe, you know, they don't talk as much, I guess, but, you know, that storm just, wow, it kicked them off, and I was just running around. I was having a blast, but that had to come. Oh, it was great. Then came back for uh, for work for, you know, a couple days, and then, you know, the wife sees me pacing around the house, and I'm just doing the typical thing I do in September, or, you know, honestly, every month of the year when it comes to hunting. Yeah. And she's like, go. She's like, get out of here. You're useless. You're not doing anything. She's like, get back up there. <laughs> Your mind so is I somewhere did... else. Exactly. And at this point, I mean, I hadn't, you know, I, the, the freezer was running low. So the second time up there, I'm like, you know what, whatever I see that's legal up there, which, you know, with this time was, it was either sex. I'm like, if it's a good animal, I'm going to take it. And, um, spent a couple days bugling other hunters in that type of thing. And, uh, but was having fun with it, and then I just was one day was just sitting a uh, uh, wallow, and I'm like something's going to come here. I had myself tucked in. I pull up my phone. I'm reading you know a Kindle book on there, and a, you know a couple cows just come plowing in, and I don't know maybe 15 yards from me. I'm like yeah this is going to happen. So drew back, shot her. Um, I don't know. She ran maybe 30 yards, packed her out of there, came back home. Um, yeah, and just took a couple more days off, you know, doing some work and whatnot. And same exact story, you know, pacing around. And I'm like, you know, well, I could pick up an OTC tag. I mentioned that <laughs> to the wife. And she's like, just do it. She's like, get out of here. So I go up on a um, – last Wednesday, I shot out to an area I'd previously hunted before. You know, just slept in the back of the truck. And I'm like, yeah, I'll get out in the morning and uh, and see what I could do. So get up, start hiking in a good bit before um, – 
shooting hour. You know, I, I knew the area I wanted to get to, so I wanted at least a half hour to get up towards there. And then uh, at that point, just, you know, let out a little weak bugle just to see if anything was around. And something else let back at me. And, you know, a bull just kind of threw a weak one at me. So I knew something. I, I knew I couldn't go aggressive on him. Um, so I started cow calling, and he was responding really well to that. So I did a bunch of cow calling over this ridge and then just ran my ass off um, towards him and set up by a pine tree and just waited. And I hear crunching and snapping branches and, you know, everything. And, like, everything's looking up. I look through my binoculars, and there he is. He's about 200 yards out through this perfect Aspen Glen, uh, just making his way towards me. And I hear, you know, uh, branches snapping all around me. So I know there's cows in there as well. I had the wind perfect, um, and I just wait. So, you know, I, I see him coming in towards me. And eventually get to 80 yards. I'm like, all right, Fred, just calm down. You're not taking an 80-yard shot. Just do its thing here. And I'm not making a peep because I'm like, at this point, he knew the cows were, you know, where I was calling was probably about 100 yards behind me. He was headed that direction. You know, he gets to 55. And I'm like, perfect. All right, hold up, hold up. He's going to come closer. And there was a little clump of these aspen trees where I'm like, okay, if he goes behind that, you know, I range it 30 yards. Perfect. Well, his head goes behind that, so he can't see me. I get a perfect opportunity to draw. He pops out the other side and just give him a little chirp. He just stops and uh, yeah, just put a just pinwheeled him at thirty <laughs> That's yards. Amazing. And, yeah, barely ran. I mean, it was it was a massacre. The, the amount of blood. <laughs> so he didn't make it far, and uh, that was by seven thirty the first morning I hunted in Colorado. So complete luck, you know. Sometimes. You spend weeks out there and you don't see a thing and you're getting hosed left and right. And sometimes, you know, the first morning you go out, you get something. So you never know. That's, that's how it. that's how it works. Yeah. I've, it is. Uh, I'm usually a last day, last dollar guy myself. But this past year yeah. with the first morning, first stock of my mule deer hunt, I had one on the ground. I couldn't believe it. It never works out that way for me. <laughs> but I'll take no it. No kidding. Yeah, exactly. That's it. When it's handed to you, I mean... Just, you know, thank you, lucky stars. And yeah. don't expect it to happen again anytime soon. No, yeah. exactly. So, yeah, that was it. You know, and that was, there was two good ones down and, uh, you know, super pumped on that, especially after a, uh, uh, a brutal bighorn uh, sheep season for me. So yeah, for <laughs> it, sure. It was great. Yeah. I want to, I want to talk about that in your, here in a bit. Um, in regards to elk hunting, I know, I remember a couple years ago, or maybe last year, I don't know, you shot a bull previously in Colorado. Was that last year or was that the year prior? Year prior. Last year I was I was in a good bit on, um, gosh, I think I got out only two days elk hunting last year. It was primarily muley and, uh, yeah, I had a you know big mule deer hunt. and Yep, but yeah. it was a year before that with one of my hunting partners. We doubled down, shot uh, uh, two bulls within 10 minutes. 15 yeah. minutes of each other. Yep. Yeah, I remember that, you and Joe. And yep. I remember on one of the posts about that hunt, or maybe it was in one of your articles about that hunt, you said something along the lines of, like, you know, elk, archery elk hunting was just tough, and you damn near gave it up for a while. Or or you just, like, you're like, man, this is just not going to happen because you've been chasing them for year to year and just not having luck on them. I guess yep. over the last couple of years, what's – Obviously, you shot that bull a couple years ago, got a nice bull this year, the Wyoming cow. Have you done anything differently? Have you changed strategies? Are you just, like, or is it you just, the luck is maybe kind of coming through? What it, talk to us a little bit about that. 
No, I, I definitely switched some stuff up. Uh, and one of the things was was just lost the fear of calling. Like, I was always kind of nervous. Like, oh, I'm going to screw something up, you know. Um, and honestly, like, it started listening to – I'm sure you've heard of uh, Paul Medell. Yeah. Elf Nut. Yeah. Yep. So he's – you know, sort of listening to his stuff and, you know, getting into just learning a ton from him and then just going out there and applying it and saying, you know, what the hell, like, I'm, I'm not getting them otherwise. Get out there, start calling, start learning what, how to call, when to call certain ways, you know, what the animal's saying and what I should be responding with when I need to move in on, on the animal or when the animal's actually going to come to me, you know, depending if I'm going for a bull or a cow. So, yeah, calling has absolutely changed in the last couple of years. That would be the big one. And then the other one is... Honestly, it's just flip-flopping what I've always done. And with the backcountry game getting to be such a popular thing, that's what everybody wants to do these days, I've just given up elk hunting-wise. I mean, I do that with some of the other animals. You know, mule deer and that, I'll still hike in, camp, and obviously, you know, uh, Bighorn did the same thing. But uh, working off of the roads, working off the dirt roads, whether it be calling early in the morning, getting up at 4.30 and calling, just going down the road, you know, until I get a bugle, we're just working off of that, and then because those days when I go on with a really, really light pack, I can cover 12 miles, no problem. Yeah. Get back to the truck, and if nothing happened, I'm off to a new area. Whereas when you get so committed, when you're carrying, you know, if you say you're going in for 10 days and you got 65, 70 pounds on your back with all your food and your gear and so on and so forth, you get into a valley, you're committed, you know, and that's, I've done that a, a bunch of times. And then once you get in there, you're like, man, I don't want to. A, I don't want to go back to the truck and go up another valley and go through this all again. And B, I'm not pulling all my stuff up and jumping to the next camp. It's just you end up getting lazy. As, as odd as it sounds with backcountry hunting, you end up getting lazy. You get in an area and you're like, well, I'm just going to hunt this area. Well, if it's getting beaten up by other guys or there just aren't elk there, man, that makes it tough. Whereas jumping around in the truck nowadays, it's just so much more, you know, it just gives you more opportunities that, uh, uh, I don't know if they're not in one area, you could get to the next. Yeah, I, I completely agree. One, the calling game, I need to really step up. I've never really, I've listened to like some podcasts on it and listened to like the Rich Outdoors with Cody uh, when he has yep. Paul on, and those have been really good. But did you end up buying the his app and and going through the course, or are you just kind of yeah, like and listening I, and I did. to his stuff? Yeah, I did the app, and I think that's great, but honestly, the stuff on the Rich Outdoors is typically, yeah, with Cody, I listened to a bunch of uh, Paul when he was on there, and he's on a couple other uh, different podcasts as well, but he gives you all the information there. I mean, it is, so if somebody doesn't want to spend that money, it's great to have it all right there, so you're like, oh, what was the sequence again? Bam, you push the button, you know, he's calling and telling you all about it, so I think the app is great. Yeah. But he, I mean, this guy is not afraid to give away free information. Um, <laughs> yeah. He just you know, loves on the it. Podcast. He does. I mean, yeah. you can see, the, listen to the passion in that guy's voice. Like, it, it'll, he'll crack you up, like, how <laughs> yeah. into it he is. So. I know. Yeah, really is. And then, too, the mobility thing, I think, is, yeah. is huge. I've, I've changed that up. I haven't, I haven't actually done a lot of archery elk hunting in the last couple of years. I've always been taking friends out and family and been getting them on elk and stuff. So, next year, is really the year I'm really going to dedicate a lot of time. But the whole mobility thing, especially with us being residents of Colorado or an elk state, it does it does bode well to just getting into more action. Like you said, if plan A, B, C, D doesn't work out, I mean, you can always drive somewhere else and just try to cover sure. more ground that way. I think it's a really smart idea. 
Exactly. And the thing is, you know, maybe I was naive in the beginning. You would think like, okay, somewhere around September 19th-ish, the elk are going to start sounding off. Well, it's not like they get a memo and the whole state <laughs> just starts bugling. There's areas, it's a hot, if there's a hot cow in the area, they're going to start doing that. So, like, you know, I mean, you, you could jump, you'll hear some guys are, you know, hunting the northern areas, and they're like, they're going crazy right now, and, you know, somebody else is down south, like, I haven't heard a bugle yet. Like, it's just, so it gives you that ability to. And, yeah, exactly, with our OTC tags where we're not limited, like, we don't have to pick a unit for it. We could just jump around the state. If something's not working here, you get a storm over there. Like, you could just, you know, kind of bop around and, and whatever's looking best wherever, and you just kind of drive over there and have at it. Yeah, for sure. And I like I like the scenario in Wyoming too where you actually just sat over a wallow. It sounds like you were playing the chase game covering some miles and then, you know, you find the sign and you set up too. That's a really effective strategy. I like that. It, it is. And I haven't I don't do that too often, but it was just one of those days like it was hot and I found like I hadn't found many wallows and this one looked like it got plenty of use in a good area. Um, I was kind of getting, you know, getting tired of bumping into other hunters and calling them in in this, in this particular place I was at. And I was ready to shoot a cow as well. So I, I figured, you know, whatever came into that. And it was a good setup. So it was midday. It was hot. It was, nothing was really going on. And you could just kind of kick back in the shade. And like I said, read a book. And I just had everything set up and ready to go. And I just heard the whole, you know, boom, 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 <laughs> coming down the mountain. Yeah, got to love that. Down, just got, re- yep, got ready to jaw and boom, done deal. Man, any more in Colorado, I anybody who kills an elk in any state with a bow, rifle, whatever, it's it's a it's a feat for sure. But anybody who gets it done on over the counter units with a bow in Colorado, it's like you said, the backcountry's getting pretty popular. Elk hunting yeah. in general is getting pretty popular. This year, twenty twenty, with the whole coronavirus Everybody's got a little bit more time, you know, plans yep. changed in other areas. So now they got to figure out backup plans. So they're hitting elk states and whatever, getting into early September hunts. Like 2020 is crazy in itself, but man, I commend people that can get it done on over-the-counter units because the pressure is probably at an all-time high right now, I would imagine. Yeah, and if you're not picky, it's doable. You know what I mean? I've seen a bunch of buddies online. Like, I'm like, oh, man, you know, people are doing pretty well this year, it seems. Um, You know, in these OTC units, it's it's, as long as you're not overly picky. I mean, don't go in there thinking you're going to shoot a 350 bull. You know, if you do, (laughs) congratulations. But, man, that's a one in ten people's lifetimes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Colorado. Yeah. OTC, Colorado. That's an extremely (laughs) rare thing. But uh, if you're willing to shoot anything that, you know, that's legal in there, your chances are okay. Okay. Still not great, but yeah. 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 I saw your buddy, Joe. He just shot a a pretty good smoker bull. Is is that Colorado? Yeah, that was Colorado. And that was OTC as well. Wow. Um, Do you know what that scores? He said he checked it out. And he said that he got it at three thirty four and I think seven eight something like that. Wow. But then when he went into the the taxidermy, he's like, he's like, I think you measured something wrong. He's like, it's a bit bigger than that. So they're three thirty five is going to be like the minimum, I would say. But you know, he could be getting up into the you know mid three forties. <laughs> That's an amazing. I know, insane. Bullet. Yeah, I know. It was crazy. He called me. It was it, it was actually my birthday that day where he uh, you know I was back home with the family. It's my birthday and I get this FaceTime call. Like, what the hell is this kid calling me for? And he's like, oh, happy birthday. And I'm like, you're not calling me for my birthday, bud. And what's going on? And I'm like, you shot something, didn't you? And he just turns the phone around. I'm like, oh, dear God. That thing is a monster. Wow. So, yeah, he 
pummeled a big one. And that was his first day hunting elk as well. So, Jeez. you know, for the season. Yeah, yeah, because he was on a, a muley hunt for a while and was getting after uh, um, uh, uh, pronghorn as well. Yeah, I saw so he had success you know, with the muleys. And, yeah. Yep. Yeah, he got a good muley as well this year. That kid's crushing it. So, <laughs> I'd say Team uh, Joe I'm, and Team Fred are uh, doing pretty well for 2020. It's a good year. Yeah, I got a couple whitetail hunts with them. I'm like, you know what, dude? If you see anything big, you're calling me over to your stand because you're done. You're cut off at this point. You're killing too many big animals. Like hey, everybody jealous. <laughs> it's the it's it's the hunting bucket theory. I feel like, uh, um, I think I don't know if I've talked with you about it before, but basically, it's I've heard it. I didn't make this up, but I've seen it other places. It's like your bucket's like slowly filling over the years and those years where you don't have success, your bucket's just filling up a little bit more. And then when you, you go another year and then you get a little bit more in the bucket and then finally that bucket gets full and then you have really good success. And that might be take a couple of years, but I feel like it's a really I good like theory. It. I like it. It's kind of karma esque. It's uh, I, yeah, I, you feel like you start building up. You're like, yeah, I'm due. Cause you need success <laughs> eventually. So the hunting God's got to be at some point saying, you know what? If we don't get this guy an animal, he's going to call it a quit. Exactly. So you have other hunts planned. Uh, sounds like some whitetail hunting. Yeah. So I got a uh, Kansas, I drew a Kansas tag and did the South Dakota. So I do that pretty much every year. So that'll be, start getting into that more towards the end of October, kind of switching between those two states. Got to get out there and get some uh, cams up, uh, but know, know both those areas really well. So I'll have that, and that'll, you know, typically hit that real hard in the beginning of November to the mid, you know, the rut, whatnot. Um, still didn't get anything in Arizona in January, so I may head back in December for that, and then a uh, potentially a, a Mexico Carmini whitetail hunt again. Um, and I do have a Colorado cow elk hunt uh, also, and that's one I usually take my, my son with five years old now so it's kind of a fun thing for him if we again with two elk in the freezer if we see something great if not we're just sitting around the campfire you know <laughs> yeah still a good time the experience yeah exactly exactly so bunch yeah so a bunch more hunts in the 2020 and you know everything gets filled in between there between upland and duck hunting as well so you know gonna keep after it yeah you're a busy man you're a busy man i love it well it's cool to to see you getting your son involved how old is he now He's five. He just turned five. That's yep. cool. Yeah, that's that's got to be. And you started taking him out, like, maybe not hardcore hunting, but you started doing that, like, a year or two ago, right? Oh, man, we were taking him, um, you know, I would even either have him on my back on, like, you know, one of those little kid carriers, or, or my wife would, and uh, we would take him out grouse hunting with us, where one would stay back, and, you know, I'd work the dog, and, and, and you know, one of us would have the gun, and, uh, gosh, maybe we started him maybe about two with that That's um sweet. so yeah and then you know my daughter she's she's three now so she's um you know she's the same thing you know get her out as much as we can as well and you know just had him out fishing and i actually took my son out just doing a um i don't know we didn't go too far from denver just down the closest otc unit and just took him out um archery elk and you know he thought it was funny as hell so every like three steps he was like dad you got to call again that's why they're not coming <laughs> in so yeah Dude, whoever's in that candy with me, oh my God, they had to lose their mind. Like, who is this idiot <laughs> calling every three steps? So I apologize to anybody out there that was uh, heard some idiot screaming every three steps, but that was me. Hey, it appeases the kids, and if they like it, they're going right. to want to spend more time out there, and that's what it's all about, right? Yep. 
That's exactly it. I love it. I love it. Well, let's dive into your uh, Bighorn Sheep Hunt, man. Like following along with that, that was just really cool country. I mean, amazing country. But man, looking at some yeah. of the photos, it's like holy cow. This, I'm a little scared for Fred. It's like, geez, this is some crazy terrain. This is this is pretty wild. It was, it was full on. Yeah, there's no <laughs> doubt about it. In the unit that I drew that tag, I'm really familiar with. Um, and it is, it is about as nasty as it gets. It's super cliffy. Uh, you know, I mean, I have a, a rock climbing background. That's one of the reasons I moved out to Colorado. So I felt comfortable in there doing that stuff, but still, you know, it was, it, it was the amount of work. I've never been in better cardio and, and my legs and never been in better shape in my life. It got, it got full on. So I found out <laughs> in, I mean, when we, when we all find out it was the end of May and I was up in that area, uh, shed hunting and me and some of my buddies were out there, and they're like, oh, you know what, today, uh, it was the sheep, we, we should know if we got our, you know, our sheep tags and whatnot. And my buddy looks, and he's like, nah, I didn't get it. I'm like, ah, all right, I'll look. And I look, and sure enough, it's just like, you know, you, you pulled God. your tag. Well, that feel like? Um, well, it was insane, because we're, we're sitting there, and I'm like, well, this just turned into a scouting trip, from a, from a shed hunting trip to a scouting trip. <laughs> You know, I was pumped, but it was also nervous. And I'm like, because I, I just knew the pressure I was going to put on myself with this thing to be successful. Um, so it was every single weekend. I mean, it was some three or four day weekends from the end of May there straight throughout the summer. I think we racked up, I think it was just about 30 days of scouting. Um, wow. Is what that ended up being. And then actual days hunting in August was uh, 21. So it was uh, yeah, about 51 days trying Holy to find the, these animals yeah it was nuts there's there's so much to that story i need to write down like I, i'll be I, I did i did not tag out so you know i came out of it I, I wanted to be the better person to be like oh that was a great experience and all this there's still parts of that hunt i'm like i hated every second of it <laughs> there's other parts i loved you know but it, it, it was a bit bitter coming out of it there's no doubt about it um I ended up, you know, shooting a, a really good one and, you know, I'd actually had some of it on video where, where that shot went in and I, you know, uh, consulted with some other guys that were guides, like sheep guides, and everybody's like, this is a dead animal, this is a dead animal. Well, I mean, the amount of time we ended up putting in looking for this thing, you know, we went in, had other buddies come in, you know, we, we followed blood for a bit. Ended up grid searching this area, um, you know, then even waited, and that, we did that for three days, then waited a couple days, came back into that area to see if, you know, if there was any crows flying over, if we could hear coyotes, anything. I mean, anything and everything we could possibly do. I mean, I have all my Onyx, like, we're, you know, just doing the tracker on that, and it just looks like this giant blob by, like, two miles yeah, wide. Yeah, you it was, gridded it. it. Yeah, so, it, you know, and couldn't just couldn't find them and that that just kind of bummer the season up yeah Yeah. it was painful i felt i mean i felt terrible a for not finding the animal and you know but b just not figuring out why he didn't go down it's an archery tag right again it's yes yes yeah 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 wow yeah that's uh yeah that's got to be really tough pill to swallow especially i mean putting in the time all the scouting and everything and to think you put a good shot on it but but man i i look at bighorn sheep and holy cow those things are barrels man they are just absolutely like tanks man they're they yeah. gotta be tough to take down i imagine 
I guess some of the guys I talked to were like, oh, they're nothing. You know, they're nothing compared to an elk. And then I see some, you know, and, and I see <laughs> both elk I shot this year die under 30 yards. I'm like, well, it's the same shot I shot on this guy. And yeah, he ran for the hills. I mean, so I don't know. I, I, I can't quite figure out what happened. I, you, but no, no matter what, you know, I take the blame for it. And I'm, I'm just bummed about it. But again, you know, this is part of what we do, and this is part of what we have to accept as well. As long as you put every last bit of effort into it, to, you know, make sure you find them. But yeah, sometimes you walk out empty-handed. Well, that's the thing. I was talking with a buddy about this the other day. It's like if I make a bad shot on an animal, knowing that I took a bad shot or a low percentage chance at killing this thing, that just that's the worst. And oh yeah, but. On the other hand, like you, you take a shot and you you make a you don't kill the animal, but you you had a hundred percent confidence, knowing that you had a clear shot, it was a a good broadside, or you felt very confident in where you could place that arrow, and you still don't end up finding him for some whatever whatever reason, uh, could be just losing the track job, or running out of blood, or just a freak of nature. Um, it hurts, but it's not. It's like you said, you did everything you could to try to find that animal and you took a good shot on the animal. Sometimes the cards just don't fall in that favor and that's just nature. I mean, the wolf doesn't get the get the kill every time. Uh, the mountain lion yep. doesn't get the kill every time. It's unfortunately it's just part of what it is, but it does happen. Um we're a reasoning we're a reasoning predator versus you know, wolves and other carnivores, but if we take that shot knowing we we reasoned very well that it was going to be a high percentage. It, it takes a little bit of the sting off, I guess. It still sucks. Yeah, but. it does. It does. <laughs> if, you, if you if you could truly say to yourself, like, hey, listen, I did everything I could, it's going to sting. But, yes, at least you feel like, oh, man, you know, I wasn't trying to squeak it in or, you know, yeah. or you're doing something unethical in your own mind. Like, as long as you could honestly say that to yourself, yeah, it does feel a bit better, but, God, I'm still bitter. <laughs> so, I so bet. What did a typical day look like for you on that hunt? I mean, were you going, like, setting up a, a spike camp at a certain elevation and then hiking even further up and then just doing a shit ton of glassing? Or what? what's that look like on a day-to-day basis? It just varied. Okay, so, like, some, one of the areas I really liked, I didn't want to get anywhere near their bedding or where they were at. So I would, I'd hiked up the valley, and I think from where the truck was, that was about, gosh, was, I think it was 40, I hate putting wrong numbers, but it was about 4,200 to where we, we, we like set up. Like vertical feet climb? Yeah, yep, yep. And wow. then from there, we'd be in the valley floor, and, you know, depending on that day, it would be 12 up above that, and just going up, to, you know, cresting up over these ridges. And, I mean, you know, it was just below 14ers type of thing. Um, so, yeah, that would be a day, and, I mean, it would be all day, and then you would just be glassing, glassing, glassing. And, you know, if you're not seeing anything by midday, maybe you're bumping the next ridge, Sometimes if we if we thought we knew where they were and we were able to pattern them a little bit, we would get up on the way up way high, you know, maybe camping at about 12 and a half and then you're carrying water up with you because there's never water up that high. Um, and we would camp up that high and then just kind of maneuver from there. But it varied a ton because we were moving around so much. Um, just trying to find these herds. And there was a particular, there was three in there that I was really willing to shoot. Um, so, 
you know, there was times you would find a, find a band of them, and you're like, well, that's not it, you know. So you would you would just either move on to the next spot, knowing the other ones probably weren't close, or uh, there were long, 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 brutal days. There was no doubt about it. That was definitely some of the the hardest hunting I've ever done. What uh, in Colorado? Isn't there? Is it like some other states where it has to be like a full curl or a certain measurement? Yeah, Colorado's remember. easy easy go with half curl. Which oh, is okay. Nothing. Yeah. So I mean, you could hey, the majority of the ones you see out there. I I mean, not the majority. You know, the the youngins, but yeah, there's a ton out there that you could shoot that are half curl. But you know, being that this is a tag, it's not a once in a lifetime. But man, I, by the time I draw this tag again, I don't know if I'm going to be in shape enough to be able to, uh, <laughs> you know, do this or you know, be young enough, have the young enough legs to be able to do it. But um. I was, you know, I, I was trying to go for something special for sure. That was that was the mentality. I thought I thought bighorn and moose, and maybe I'm, I guess I'm wrong, but like that's not a once in a lifetime, or is it just male that's once in a lifetime? Or moose is moose. You get it, it, once you get the uh, the bull tag. That's it. Okay. Um, I think you can still get cow tags with that. Um, and then bighorn, no, I think you still just go back into that draw, but it's. You know, you're waiting. I think you got to wait a couple years before you could actually get the weighted points. Don't whoever's listening, don't yeah. quote me on this. No, before. I think don't, you're right there. Yeah. You got to have a couple yeah. years of points just to get into the game, and then once you're in the game, yeah, you're the, you're kind of at like zero points, and then yeah, <laughs> and then you yep. go up from so there. The chances are pretty low. Yeah, the chances are pretty low of drawing again, but it, you know it could happen. But I don't know if I want it to happen. <laughs> 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 at least not in that unit. You know, maybe somewhere else. But uh, yeah, that, that, that's a pretty tough unit that was in. So yeah. Now uh, with the point system. Doesn't it kind of work as like a like you just have more tickets in the bucket sort of thing? It's not like a it's not like deer and elk where you have this kind of based on demand or how many points yep. to get it. It's just like sheer like if you have five points, let's say going into that tag, and somebody else has one, and this guy has twenty five. I mean, the guy with ones can still get it, right? He just only yep. has yep. a very limited chance of getting drawn. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, deer, elk, all the other stuff, that's just preference. Whoever's got the highest number, they're going to get, you know, and they choose this unit, boom, the highest yep. people with the most preference points, they draw those units. This is more a bonus point, which like a lot of other states do. It's exactly what you're saying. So you have to go three weighted points, and uh, so you don't draw those first three years. And then after that, it's essentially, I know it's a lot more convoluted, the math that behind this, but it's like zero, like, just for, you know, make it easy. Okay, zero, you get one chance in there. You know, if you have one point, then you actually have two chances in there. Because I met a guy the year before in this unit. I was just out running some trails, and I saw him with a, a Kafaru pack on. I'm like, ooh, well, you're a hunter. So I talked to him. He drew that tag for the sheep tag with three weighted zero above that. So this really? is three zero. Yeah, it was, it was, I mean, the odds were astronomical. But that's what he, yeah, that's what he drew it with. And there's guys with three, I don't know, 318 and aren't drawing the tag so yeah exactly like you said you can draw it you're just your chances are way lower <laughs> that's cool man well that's that's a that's a cool hunt i'm sure you, there's just a ton of memories i'm sure your mental game probably probably picked up a bit because it's not only is it physical tax physically like taxing and demanding but you get up there for those long hours or you get up to a spot and you, you might not see something for the whole day there might be fog rolling in or clouds or you just can't see i, I bet that takes a toll on you mentally well as well oh 100 percent. like the last i went in for the last eight days of the season after 
you know, just after we did all the searching for that one. And the first six days in, I didn't see anything. So I'm sitting there and I'm losing my mind. I'm like, there's just no Rams in here. I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm like, I'm like, but I'm like, I'm staying because this is it. This may be the only time you hunt bighorn sheep. So yeah, you, you're, there's definitely that mind game of staying in. It's not like getting in and bugling elk and you hear them most days and, you know, and no, there's, there's many days that go by that you just don't see them. And I knew I was screwed with this whole thing. <laughs> The day before the opener, I go up and I'm, or I was in a couple days before, but <laughs> it was the day before the opener. I had a buddy coming in to meet me um, that night. I'm sitting up top uh, on the saddle, just glassing around, and I hear this like just crashing. And I'm like, oh, geez, what is this? <laughs> up come seven rams that walk by me. And I have, I have yet to post it on Instagram. I really need to. But again, the bitterness is just it's kind of holding me back from posting some of these <laughs> images. But I have, just sitting there with my phone in my hand, they walk 13 feet away from me, all seven. I'm just dead still. I have the wind in my favor. They don't know what I am. So they walk by, no concerns. They're feeding. And I'm filming this whole thing, and one of them was a shooter for sure. Oh, man. And I'm like, this is the day before opener. And I'm like, that's it. Nobody gets this lucky. You get this once in a lifetime to have a 13-yard shot on something like this. And you just got it the day before the season. So <laughs> oh, I, was, man. I knew I was screwed after that. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, that's that's got to be cool. But it's like, yeah, like the chances yeah. of that happening again are probably pretty slim. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But well, it was awesome to see. It was so cool to be that, like, that close to those animals. Oh, they're just amazing creatures. I... I came down from a shed hunt. This was like in 2016. I was out pretty new to elk shed hunting. Didn't know this particular area. Me and a buddy from Michigan, he'd just driven out and he was running on low sleep and just not used to the altitude. And we hike into this basin like a couple, two, three miles in. It's just high, gnarly terrain. And we didn't end up wanting to come out the way we went in so we're like oh well, we can take this shortcut you know quotation mark shortcut and yep, you know yep. we, we <laughs> basically drop into like sheep or get into this like really cliffy stuff sheep country and it was just brutal nasty terrain i ended up finding a bighorn sheep a dead skull uh deadhead oh nice which is pretty sweet wow. amazing how heavy those heavy. things are man just like all oh, the yeah. weight i mean yep. just built like tanks but um it uh it is definitely some gnarly country and they're amazing animals where they live and how can they can get around those rocks and just cliffs and it's like what are they eating where oh, are yeah. they laying like it's just i don't i don't understand it completely but they're just amazing creatures yeah to watch them traverse a mountain and the speed that you're like you're looking at that like that would take me all day and you could you just knock that out in 20 minutes like, it's <laughs> wild yeah there's some powerful animals right yeah there, for sure it's like they defy yep. like being able to slip off a rock that you and i would just go sliding to eternity yep. they just they can it's like the littlest little like hold and they're they're like hard hoofs somehow just can hold it i i just don't understand it it's just wild <laughs> no they, they definitely they defy all physics and you know it just does not make sense but they, they do it somehow they do it they do it that's for sure I want to talk to you a little bit about Hawaii. You hunted there. That was that. That was earlier this year, right? Like early in twenty one, or was that yeah, late twenty nineteen? No, that was that was this spring. We got caught there. Uh, poor us, but yeah, I took the whole family there. We uh, we got stuck there because of COVID. Oh no! But kidding. um, 
Yeah, that was awesome. I mean, there's no better place in the world to be stuck. If you're going to be stuck and you're like, I have endless animals I could shoot. If the grocery stores just shut down, <laughs> yeah. we're fine. There's going to be no issues here. Yeah, so we went, um, we went in the spring, and we're supposed to stay for uh, a month. But we ended up staying for about a month and a half. Um, they were just um, – we would call us up. United would be like, oh, by the way, you don't have a flight. So we're like, oh, super. Okay, we'll see if we get another thing. <laughs> oh, another hunting there's just no day. choice. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So there was absolutely no complaints about staying longer. But yeah, it's, you know, I go to the big island. I know you can hunt most of the islands there. Um, and you can hunt, you know, it's sheep, goat, and pig on the big island. And, you know, there's a good amount of uh, public land. You just got to kind of figure it out because you can hunt year-round there, which is the beauty of it. But they do it different, like where each little chunk of public land is almost like it's, it's almost be like its own GMU with its own set of rules. Like, you know, some you could hunt on just weekends, some are just weekdays, some you could only hunt with a bow, uh, you know, some is everything, all the above. Uh, some you can only take one animal, you know, per day type of thing, or some's unlimited. So it's just how they're, what, if they're trying to eradicate them in a certain area. Okay. You know, they're just typically used, you know, using hunters to kind of keep the populations where they want it. Uh, but man, it's a target rich environment, you know, did real well when I was there and, by the end was getting real choosy, like, do we need meat, you know, or, or is this, you know, an animal I really, you know, want to take home type of thing. So it was good. It was, it was, it was absolutely amazing. And that's the beauty of something like that is you can take the family, you know, you, you do an Airbnb, VRBO type of thing, rent a house for a while, you know, you can rent a car and just get around and it's just a typical car to get you the most of the, uh, the hunting spots. And then, you know, I would hunt the mornings and then just go hang out with the family in the afternoon and evening, just go to the beach when we were allowed there, you know, after a while with Corona, we couldn't, but, um, you know, just kind of do that type of thing. So it, it's, it's a great place to go with the family, you know, where everybody's going to be super happy. Well, and it seems like a really good option for, cause like, I'm not like I hunted turkeys a little bit last year, but I'm not, not a big turkey guy in general. And then Colorado mm-hmm. doesn't have a spring bear season. So it's like. I don't know. Like, I just feel like it's a it's a good opportunity. To, one to get a lot of shots on goal, target rich environment, and a yep. lot of public land, um, and then really just like practice maybe some of the things that we don't always get to do, like stalking and and just kind of hone in yeah. some of that stuff without some of the pressure. I guess I want to say like there's a lot of pressure to kill stuff, but like it's it's just different when you maybe are going after an exotics or whatever. You kind of feel the same way. Yeah, and, and that's the beauty of this. I would say there is no better investment, especially for uh, a beginning, you know, uh, archer, like a, a beginning bow hunter that really is obsessed and wants to get into this. I mean, I can't think of a better place because you could screw up endless stalks per day, you know, <laughs> trying to chase these animals. And they're a little bit easier. I mean, I, I don't want anybody in Hawaii getting pissed off at me, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, cer- it's certainly not, hunt, you know, hunting a high country mule deer. Um you know, they, they, let's be honest, they were previously, uh, bar, you know, barnyard animals <laughs> that were just kind of released on this island. I mean, yeah, they've been feral for a long time, but, you know, it's not extremely tough to chase, to chase these animals. I mean, some, the sheep are, I'll, I'll give the sheep some credit. They, uh, they got some eyes on them and, and definitely could sense you good. And same thing with the pigs. Goat, you just go in there and you bah, and they're going to come to you. <laughs> That's the one to start out with, you know, if you really want to kind of get your, you know, get you get your feet underneath you but yes it is it's, it's a target rich environment you can go out and get a ton of stalks in um they're delicious all three of them they're phenomenal eating 
Uh, and it just does, you know, because like we were talking about earlier, you know, with like calling for elk, like it's, it's repetition. And that's what this mm-hmm. is. Whereas, you know, you may get one decent shot at an elk a season, you know, maybe one decent shot at a mule deer or a really good stalk where you, you know, you should be able to get a shot off. If you're a lucky one, there's seasons I've gone without that. Like that's yeah. not the case in Hawaii. You're, you're going to get in there and you're going to get after them for sure. So I think it's a great investment for any hunter. That's cool. And what about like other hunters? I mean, where you run, I mean, obviously it's just not a big of an issue because you've got, it sounds like a pretty good amount of land, a lot of animals to go after, but what did the hunting pressure look like? Did you run into anybody Were you seen a lot of people? Yeah, there's this one spot we go to, um, that you get tags for. There are some units that they still do the tags. Uh, that's pretty well known for goat. And you'll see a lot of guys out there, um, hunting that, but man, I'll tell you, everybody was so cool. Like I thought I was going to catch so much shit. Cause like, all right, you know, here's this typical, you know, mainlander coming in <laughs> trying to shoot our animals. But I'll tell you, everybody was super cool, you know? And, and I know a guy that was there and I went out and hunted with him a little bit. And, you know, he's, very knowledgeable and has been hunting since he was a little kid on the island. And so I just, you know, met him through social media and, you know, talking to him for some years now, uh, cause I've been there a couple of times now. And, uh, no, I mean, you see people, but no, nothing, nothing too wild. Like you know, a lot of these areas you drive to and you park and they'll have like a little parked off there. And if I, if I saw another truck or a car there, I just go to the next spot and go, you know? So no, I don't think, I don't feel like I was thought, you know, stepping on anybody's toes and vice versa. It was, it wasn't too bad. Is it one of those things where like you can hunt all day and like animals are moving all day or is it kind of like just mornings and evenings and you might like work a little bit during the day? What does that look like? I mean, I think the best bet is always, you know, the the morning and evenings, but no, I was, I was getting after goats midday too. They'll kind of move around and, and, you know, they make a lot of noise. So it's almost like you're you're not calling necessarily like you are with elk, but you, I would sit up on a little area and just sit there and wait a little while. And then you hear like, like (laughs) off in the distance. And then you're like, okay, cool. So then you kind of work that way. And it can be really thick. So it can be tough to find them sometimes, but if they're, if they're talking to each other, it's not bad, but no, you could, you could kind of push all day. Definitely pig. It seems like it was an evening thing. Like all the ones I got were, I mean, just as soon as that sun went down where you got that half hour of last light. Um, that's where I got all those. So they, unless you just, you know, happen to be walking by and you stumble upon some, just kind of bedded up. Um, they seem to be just an evening type of thing, but goat and sheep. No, I was shooting them midday as well. <laughs> you should, you should be the Fred goat nut boom. Start a oh goat, goat just talking start, app. Start teaching people how to call. <laughs> Calling. <laughs> Good Lord. Yikes. You could be Barn the Paul Medell of Hotel. Hawaii. I'm out, right? Oh, my God. <laughs> I love it. How, how about access deer? Have you ever hunted those? No, and that's, I was going to try to do that this year, but apparently they shut that down on Lanai um, for Why? Corona. But no, oh, okay. I just, they're, they're not even doing that. You know, the buddy I talked to over there, they're, they're still quarantine, um, quarantining in between uh, inner island travel. So it's they're pretty locked down there. Um yeah, so you know, if I did that and went to Lanai, then I would have to stay there for two weeks, and I don't know. So it just ended up being too much of a, uh, a yeah. hassle. So we, we were talking about going back to the Big Island this spring potentially. Um, I don't know. Yeah, we'll, we'll just have to see how all this this madness, what goes down with it and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, that's real cool. I, I've I've been wanting to check out Hawaii for a while, so. Thanks for kind of just do it. throwing me yeah. some tips and do what it, you've, do what your experience is. 
yep, don't hold up on it. You know, it's one of those things you'll never regret. It's super cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll have to make that happen. It sounds sounds really fun. I, I definitely want to kill an axis deer, so I, I want to do that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. Seems yep. pretty fun. Seems pretty fun. Um, what, uh, have you switched? I know probably with the sheep hunting, you had to probably add some different gear or different items to the pack, or I don't know, maybe not, but like, have you switched up any like kind of major stuff in the last year or so kind of with elk hunting, with deer hunting, with goat hunting, sheep hunting, whatever, have you switched anything up? Not too much, you know, maybe just switching like brands of filters, going over to a catadine, a little bit easier to pump. Um, but now otherwise, you know, it's, it's kind of been the same thing, you know, switch bows up, but you know, I'm not, wouldn't say one's better than the others. One bow shot better for me this time, you know, this year and, uh, just minor things. Um, you know, one of the big things I did switch over to and, I'm not sponsored or anything by these guys. It's just I shoot those sever broadheads, and they have just been destroying animals for me. So I switched to those too. Shot my mule deer with that. Dude, yeah. I'll tell you, I I've never seen I've never seen the blood trails I've seen with those with those blades. And uh, no, I really dig them. You know everything about them. I like the fact that the whole blade goes inside the barrel, so there's nothing hanging out where you're catching it on grass and stuff when you're going in for the stalk if you're loaded up um yeah you know just that but otherwise you know and i yeah i guess the only other thing is maybe like the tripod i went over to an outdoorsman pistol grip head on that and that thing's been spectacular so far um just for glassing but uh, you know everything else i it's i've kind of gotten honed in over the years and, and been really happy you know just what i've been using very nice very nice and uh I haven't really paid attention to it too much, but as far as like the NUMA camo, have they come out with any like new Western stuff or anything along yeah. those lines? They're working hard at that. So they came out with a new pattern this year is the Kaza, which that's what I've been using. And I'm going to use that for whitetail. I'm going to use that for everything for the mountains. That stuff is just, I don't know. I, I think it's awesome. Um, but yeah, they're coming out with it. There's definitely going to be some new stuff coming out for uh, 2021 that they've been working hard and I've been doing some testing for them. They came out with some packs, and I've been using those suckers, and you know they're they're holding up really well. Um, you nice. know they're they're going to be coming at yeah. So they they've been coming out with a few things. Some of the marine, I love the merino. I, I don't know, like I, I think those guys stuff and that whole you know guarantee for life, no questions asked type of thing. There's something about that because I mean we all beat the hell out of our uh, our hunting clothes, and just the fact that you know you got to I don't know those guys there, and you're like hey, you know I I, I tore a hole in this and. It was, probably my own damn fault but you know they're awesome about it and like take care of you so i don't know yeah they they're coming out with a bunch of stuff they're going full bore so nice you know pump to see pump yeah. to see what they're doing yeah but uh, you know really you you kind of brought that on the radar for me and i've i've been checking out some different stuff i love sitka i mean it's good gear i mean i've, I've worn it for a long time but there's there's also another a lot of other companies out there that are really making some cool good stuff so i'll have to look into that numa uh, a little bit more as well yeah and i think some of these smaller guys like Numa, you know they're hungry like they they want to you know they, they got this mentality where they, they are fighting the big guys they're fighting the sickos the qus to try to get a hold so they're putting a, you know a ton of money into this research behind it and um you know they want to make the best product out there so they could get in there uh and be one of the competitors with those guys so you know, and, and, and I think some of these companies are realizing that the customer service where maybe some of the other ones were lacking on, 
how important that is and that they, you know, people spend a ton of money on this stuff and they want to be known they're going to be, you know, they want to know that they're going to be taken care of. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. In your photography stuff, are you, you constantly, are you switching anything up with that? Are you different lenses, different cameras? Like I know you're kind of the wizard on that and I don't know much about it, but like any of that stuff change at all? Yeah, I mean, I switched up some lenses. I've been shooting a Sony A7R2 for um, you know, a bunch of years now, and it's, you know, when it comes down, I got, yeah, sometimes if I get asked, like, you know, with equipment, what do you go with? And, you know, there, there's a saying with, you know, uh, date the body, marry the lens type of thing. So, yeah, buy, buy the most, like, the nicest lenses out there that you can, but the body of the camera, it could be, you know, a couple generations back, and it's good to go. But, no, I picked up a couple new lenses that I really like to work with, you know, um, I don't know how in depth you want to get with the technical side, but you know, went with some uh, uh, prime lenses. I like to shoot with a lot, and got some you know a higher, bit more expensive, bit nicer glass for you know good wide angle with the real fast aperture on it for some night photography. And but you know, switch up some things, but honestly. Man, anybody looking to get into it out there, don't feel like you have to spend a lot of money. That's not where it's at. The camera is not going to make your photography. It's going to be your composition, knowing how to use that camera, trying to tell a story through your imagery. Like, that's what it really comes down to. So, yeah, yeah the, the equipment is irrelevant. Yeah, yeah. Well, we talked about it last time on when I had you on, I don't know, a year ago or whatever last, but you have that really good series on your website, like hunting photography series, and it dives into a number of different parts and really kind of walks you through like what you should be looking for and gear. And then also like, uh, I don't know, different ways to, to portray an image and telling a story and all the different things you talk about. It's really good. I recommend people checking it out. Well, appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to try to continue that a good bit more. I, uh, kind of been slacking on the blog side of things, just been honestly hunting a ton and, and doing a lot getting, you know, more and more in depth into photography. And sometimes I kind of forget to try to share that because I like that part of it too is, um, you know, just being able to be a resource if people had questions on it, you know, because I love to see other people with their photography and, you know, there's some just absolute killers out there with it. And, you know, young guys starting up with it that are really excited about it. And I'm blown away by some of the stuff I see out there every day. Um, so, you know, if there's anything... I got to get better about it because, you know, hopefully I could, you know, if anybody had a question on it, you know, that some of these tutorials would help out or at least get some people started if they had the curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Like you've obviously been doing photography for a number of years. You probably in your early years, you probably looked up to people or followed some people and you're like, ah, I really like the way this style is or how they do this. And at this point, since you're many years into it and, Honestly, you're probably one of the, you are the best photographer I know, just following along with and everything. Um, like, do you take any inspiration from other people or are you at the point of like, you're just kind of honing your own kind of style and craft or like, where do you fall into that mix? Oh God, I always look, you know, people always inspire me. Like other guys out there that do destroy what I do. There's no doubt about <laughs> it. Um, you know, I, I'm a, but I'm not, I, I also try to develop my own style where I don't feel like I'm, I'm taking somebody else's yeah hard earned you know their style and saying trying to you know taking my for my own and like well maybe people don't know who this guy is so if i feel his exact like i don't, I don't like doing that like having like you know the moods i want to set for the image and yeah. um and just kind of do my own thing with that and, and i think in the beginning there's nothing wrong when guys are starting out they like 
you know, imitate somebody else's stuff, there's, you know, that's fine. Like, you know, start by, it, it, it could teach you a lot. Like, okay, how am I going to, you know, craft this, um, when I get into post-production, you know, what kind of color grading am I going to do to set this type of mood that I want to do for this image? Like, so if people want to do that at the beginning, I think it's great. But eventually, you know, everybody, you're going to want to find your own thing. But no, I'm always looking at other guys. And a lot of times it's not even um, hunting photographers. Though there are great ones out there. But it's, you know, guys that are totally different fields. Like there's this guy's short stash. He's, uh, God, he does a lot of surfing stuff. I think he's in Cali. I don't know. I, I think he hates hunters, if I'm not mistaken. It doesn't matter. Whatever it is. You I'm should sure DM he, him. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm sure he'll block me instantly. But, no, I'm, I'm just kidding. Maybe he doesn't. But, uh, you know, just he, just uh, his compositions are, like, unreal and his color grading and just how he could set a mood and where he's placing people in his imagery. And, you know, there's another guy, I think it's Firsty, F-U-R-S-T-Y, and he doesn't have any uh, people. It's just strictly landscapes, but like that, the way he could set a mood with that, with his color grading, like strictly in post-production. I'll look at an image, and I'm like, well, it's not – I think anybody could take that image, but like what he does in post-production is unbelievable. And some of these guys doing the compositing, you know, I'll follow that, where that's more like manipulation of the images. I don't know if you saw like the one where I did – I was like climbing up a, uh, a tree to hang my whitetail stand where I'm just – perpendicular to the tree just walking up it like just getting ideas of all <laughs> cool. other people and you know because i know that i know that side of it, how to do it but like just inspiration of like okay if you see something else how would you interpret it into your own imagery and, and your own thoughts so no I'm, I'm constantly on instagram just you know following new people that inspire because i you know i think that's the you, you could never stop learning stale. Yeah. No, that's it. And you can get stale pretty quick if you're just doing your own thing over and over again. So no, I like that. That's a great way of doing it. I like that. That's really cool. Um, so have you done some upland hunting so far this year, or is that kind of later in October? That's, yeah, that's usually a bit later. I mean, it's, you know, especially with the, the sheep hunt, like everything got pushed back this year. But no, I've shot a bunch of grouse with my bow, you know, so far. But no, I got, you know, I got my poodle pointer under my feet right now, just dying to get out. And no, so we have, uh, with the family, we're going to head up to the mountains um, uh, second week in October, do a bunch of days up there, just go out grouse hunting. Um, and then over Thanksgiving and stuff like that, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll do some, uh, some other upland. We got like two weeks planned for that. So. You know, and then just filling in days here and there. But yeah, got a bunch of um, bunch of uplands uh, planned out as well. That's going to start hitting pretty hard here in October. I love it. I love it. And oh yeah, I wanted to ask you, uh, Sage and Breaker, how's how's the company doing? Any uh, any new items? What's what's good with that? Yeah, we're doing awesome. Um, yeah, actually, this is we're just right now. We're going to have them for the fall. We got a bunch of new stuff coming in. Um, yeah, I, I probably I probably shouldn't say exactly what it is because we're gonna have you know this whole rollout. <laughs> yeah, no. It. But um, yeah, we have we have a ton of new stuff. We're gonna be switching out some products, um, adding a bunch a bunch of new stuff to the line. We're really trying to trying to ramp that up. Um, so yeah, definitely be looking for that real soon here. Uh, if you're on our email list or whatnot, you'll get the first crack at everything. So yeah, and yeah. and for people we've talked about it before on the podcast, but for people who are new or haven't listened to you before tell us a little bit about what sage and breaker is and where can we go to find out more info yeah sage and breaker we make a high-end firearm cleaning products so we do stuff we have our own version of what you know typically was called the boar snake what we think is uh, a better version of that which going to give you like the full brush and uh, as opposed to just some i don't know 
bristles in, 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 a, in a busing rope. We have a, you know, a different version of that that we feel cleans a lot better. I mean, we do a CLP that is just absolutely top-notch. We do um, these really beautiful, like, heirloom, like, they're meant to be passed down through the generation, gun mats made out of wax canvas, leather, and wool. Uh, that you can hold all your cleaning products in, put your, you know, lay your guns out on to clean it. When you're all done, you roll up all your gear and you can throw that in the back of your truck or, you know, whatever, have that in your shop. So anything you need from top to bottom to keep your firearms running, that's what we make. And, you know, it's stuff that's just built to last the generation. So we spare no expense on it. That's badass, man. I love it. Yeah, I got I as I'm starting to get into a little bit more just gun hunting, like rifles and stuff like that. Last year was my first rifle hunt ever. I'd had a rifle that I'd won at RMEF banquet like in twenty fifteen or twenty sixteen and never hunted with it until last year. So I'm starting to it's it's different for sure. I definitely love bow hunting, but as I get more into the gun side of things and rifles i gotta um i'm gonna have to pick up some of your stuff man i gotta i gotta get back on there and check it out absolutely man yeah i'll send you i'll send you some gear so we'll connect after this well cool fred it's always always a pleasure man i always enjoy hearing about your hunts and what all you have going on it's just uh just fun stuff so definitely look forward to the next time we get to chat again awesome Adam. hey appreciate as always you having me on all right, and there we go. Another episode in the books. Big thanks to Fred for coming on the show. Really enjoyed that. Hope you guys did too. And man, I'm inspired. I need to I need to get out and hunt more. I try to hunt as much as possible, but when I'm talking with Fred, it's like, man, I need to go do that or I need to go do that hunt or um, that sounded really cool. I should look into that a little bit more. And and he certainly does that for me. And just following along, if you're not if you're not following Fred's work, definitely follow him on Instagram, Facebook. Um, Fredbohm.com is his website. If you want to read some of his articles, look at more of his photography. If you're a hunter and you want to step up your game a little bit on the on the photography side, like I mentioned in the podcast, I mean that tutorial, that series that he that we talked about, I mean, it's really, really beneficial. If you're intro to photography and just want to kind of up the level of your images and, and really tell that story, like he said. So definitely check out some of his work there and uh, you won't be disappointed, I promise you. <laughs> All right, well, I won't keep you too much longer. Stay after it. It can be a grind. I know it's something, this is the season that we look forward to more than anything in the world. Um, whether you're archery hunting for deer or elk or rifle hunting, uh, for deer and elk or bear or whatever it may be, it's going to be a grind. It's tough. It's not easy. And we wait all year and we anticipate this time of year more than anything in the world and just stay after it. There's, it's, hunting is tough. You guys know that. I feel like I'm just like ranting and, and like preaching to the choir here, but um, <laughs> stick with it. If it's If you're getting down to the wire on your hunts, I've had so many hunts so many times where it's just like, it comes together at the last minute and you, and you don't expect it. That stuff is, is reality. It doesn't always work out on the, on the front end or right at the beginning. So, uh, if you're out there, keep grinding, keep getting after it and, uh, really cherish these moments because this is something that we're not going to last forever. The, the, whether the world ends <laughs> or, you know, we get old and we just can't pound the mountains like we used to. Um, enjoy these moments, enjoy the time, enjoy the time with family and friends and taking them out and introducing new people to hunting and 
uh, or, or wild game and, and just sharing in that experience. It's wonderful. It's magical. And through all the craziness in the world going on right now, um, it's something to look forward to and, and, and something to really cherish forever. So I hope you guys are having a successful fall. And uh, I look forward to seeing more success photos and stuff to come. So keep getting after it. All right, and that is it. Thanks again to our partners, Expedition Archery, Skull Brew Coffee, and Outdoor Edge Knives. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll talk to you soon.